Well, brother, I'm not sure they need to buckle in. Maybe we need to buckle in, huh? Yeah. <laughs> we'll find out. Yes, yes. Hey, I was just thinking, man, I'm glad it's this Sunday instead of next Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, we only have to do it twice. Yes. yes. There we go. We do. Got it in before the big three. I did know yeah, we there we go. There we go. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Jordan. I'm one of the pastors here at E-Free. And I'm Brian, and I, too, am one of the pastors here at E-Free. It's good to have you all here with us in the auditorium. Over in the venue and online. So we are going to have a conversation this morning about marriage and parenting. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about the parenting with little kids, and Brian's going to talk about being old. There we go. So he's got that covered. <laughs> and grandparenting. Okay. There we go. There we go. So first, we wanted to make sure that you knew us and knew our family, so we wanted to introduce some of our family to you. So we have some photos we want to share. So they're going to put that up here. So this is my lovely wife, Abby. And we've been married for, um, it will be 11 years in July. And then we also have a family photo from this past Christmas. Ah. Yes, they are adorable. And so this is Liam, who's standing down there. And then my daughter, Penny, who I'm holding. What so that's a, my family. What a beautiful family, man. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. 11 years. 11. Coming up. Congratulations. Yeah, well... Um, there's also a photo that I have of, uh, of our wedding date, and uh, there it is. Yes. <laughs> hey, hey, you didn't laugh at the first one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's going on? You know, uh, there's, there's my wife, Lori, and uh, I don't know who that other guy is, but uh, anyway, you know, that's me. Uh, and uh, been, it'll be May 16th, 1981, so it'll be 40 years coming up. 40 yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. You know, she is, she is uh, as beautiful today as she was uh, back then. And uh, she is a warrior because she's put up with 40 years of me. <laughs> okay? And, uh, you know, when we, when we took that photo of we've only just begun, we didn't realize what the right of our life was going to be. Uh, but the Carpenter song was our, kind of our song uh, for that. And then... Uh, so that's how we, be, we began, but then we, now there's, there's a family photo right there. There's a family photo. So Lori and I are in the middle, of course, and, uh, um, and, and then there's uh, the far, um, there's John and Ashley. He's got the gray, gray shirt on, and they have a, a two girls, uh, Abigail and Eliza. Eliza's the one Lori's holding there. And then uh, there's Josh and Cheryl Lee, um, way over, he's got the maroon uh, shirt on, and uh, looks like father and son kind of got the same memo of what, <laughs> what shirt to wear that day. And uh, there's Jordan, and Aaliyah, and Danielle. So we have five grandchildren. And then the, uh, the Glamour magazine couple, uh, off to the side, uh, is uh, uh, Kirsten and Raul from Ecuador. Uh, I love this family. I love this family. I love what God's doing in our kids' lives and our grandkids' lives. And uh, they're just a joy. It's a joy. So, so we're going to focus on marriage and parenting this morning is where we're going to go. So let me pray, and then we'll dive into our verses. Father God, we thank you for the gift of marriage. 
We thank you for the gift of parenting and the gifts of family. Yes. Lord, we, we ask that you would help us this morning as we look into your word. God, that you would uh, use it to shape and mold our hearts and our minds, our marriages and our families. God, would you help us to have teachable hearts? Would you help us to be um, teachable this morning? God, I pray that you would give Brian and I uh, clarity. God, would you help us to be concise and clear as we deliver your word this morning? God, we thank you for your good gift. Thank you for being with us here this morning. And God, I pray that you would continue to work in our hearts and our minds and our lives. Pray this all in your son's name. Amen. 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 Well, we're going to dive right in, okay? So let's turn to um, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew's the first book in the New Testament. And if you take your uh, smartphones, of course, you don't have to navigate through pages on the smartphone. But uh, if you have the, the, the Bible in your hand, the, the text in your hand, it's the first, first book in the uh, New Testament. So Matthew chapter 10. Jesus is talking to uh, the disciples here. And mm -hmm. he's sending them out to, to do ministry, but he, he uh, is kind of teaching them and prepping them for what, for what lies ahead. And we're going to start with verse 32, and we're going to kind of break this down a little bit, okay? So verse 32, Jesus says, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Jordan, these are, these are some pretty uh, straightforward uh, words here from Jesus here, aren't they? They are. Yeah. They, they are intense. That you might be going, why in the world is this what we're reading for our marriage uh, message? But there are some good principles in here. So though it doesn't talk a bunch about marriage or a bunch about parenting or a bunch about family, um, there are good principles that we can apply to marriage in here. So the primary uh, audience he's talking to is his disciples, and the primary thing that they're going to hear is about their discipleship and following Christ. But with that, there's some principles that we can draw out as we look at marriage, as we look at parenting. And that first principle is this. Jesus needs to be, first, needs to be our first and greatest love. Mm. That Jesus needs to be our first and greatest love. That we, we see this in Matthew 10, 37, when he says, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. That he's saying, he's saying, I need to be your first and your greatest love. Now that may seem harsh. It may seem counterproductive to marriage to say, well, doesn't my spouse need to be my first and greatest love if I'm gonna have a good marriage? But the reality is that our spouse and our kids, they cannot hold our hopes, our dreams, they cannot hold our expectations. And so if we try to put all the things that we look for in a savior on our spouse or on our kids, it's gonna go poorly. That it's gonna crush them and it's gonna disappoint us. 
And so Jesus is actually being compassionate. He's being kind in this moment when he calls us to put our hopes and our dreams on him, to make him our first and greatest love, and then to let our spouse and to let our kids have their proper space right behind that. That if we ask our kids to be our savior, they're always going to disappoint us. If we ask our spouse to be our savior, we're always going to be disappointed. But if we ask Jesus to be our savior, then we're going to find hope, we're going to find peace, we're going to find contentment and the compassion and the love that we really long for. So yeah, Jordan, I love what you said there, it's just making Jesus our number one, our our number one pursuit of love. And uh, you know what he says here, um, that, that love is the key here, whoever loves. So Jesus is really looking for uh, us really setting him as the, as the source of love. Mm-hmm. I can only love my wife, Lori, to the fullest capacity of knowing what she needs of love as I draw it from Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay? So that means I, I'm going to know, know how to love her patiently, love her in a forgiving way, love her in a kind way, and when I'm not, when I'm putting her in the wrong spot, if I'm putting her as the, the essence of my life, yeah. then all of a sudden there becomes expectations. Then there all of a sudden becomes, you know, I get disappointed. Then I get demanding, yeah. right? And, and then there becomes disharmony because we start pointing at, you never do this or you never do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we start accusing and we're expecting everything to come from our spouse to fulfill my heart. And she wasn't designed to be that. No. She wasn't designed to be that. I'm not designed to be that for her. And guess what? Our kids aren't designed to be that for ourselves either. No. And, uh, you know, one of the, the greatest threats in any marriage that I believe is losing a teachable heart. Losing a teachable heart from the greatest love that we have, and that's Jesus. You see, when I am not learning how to love from Jesus, if I'm not learning how to love the way Jesus wants me to love, if I'm not willing to ask Jesus help me to love better and, and stronger, if I'm not willing to do that, then I'm not going to love well. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to love well. How, how, let me ask you, Jordan, how do you and Abby, because in marriage and raising a family, it's hard to keep that in in perspective, because there's so much demands, right? Yeah. And so how do you guys, as a young family, raising two little ones, mm-hmm. uh, come to a point of keeping Jesus your first love? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. So there's a couple of things. Uh, the first is that both Abby and I have an individual relationship with Jesus. So both of us pursue him on our own. We pursue time with him. And so we're both growing towards Jesus together. And as we grow closer towards Jesus, we're going closer together. And so that's a really helpful thing for us. But then along with that is we also share what we're learning together. Huh. So as I learn something, as something becomes new to me or exciting to me about Jesus, I talk with Abby about that. And as she learns, she talks to me about that. And that's something that draws us closer together. And it helps us to grow, to be more like Jesus over time, so we grow closer together as people. But the second thing is, is a way we work out that teachable heart aspect that you just talked about. And that's that as Jesus has authority over both of us, that he's the greatest love in our life and he guides us, he has the ability to tap us on the shoulder um, when we're out of line. And so there's been moments where I've, been, I've wanted to be the Holy Spirit for my wife. Oh. I've, I've wanted to come along and say, let me tell you what you're doing wrong right now. Let me tell you how you're falling short or something like that. And don't how, do that. How'd that work, buddy? How'd Not that well. Work? 
Oh, oh well. Which is why, very good, huh? Yeah, which is oh. why I let God be the Holy Spirit. It yeah. goes much better. Amen. So, there you so go. what we do is when there's been moments where maybe I've done something that I was hoping Abby was going to respond really positive to and just say, Jordan, you're the best husband in the whole wide world. Wow. And then she comes in and she doesn't notice what I did. And then I get grumpy and yeah. I want to go, oh, this is not right. Yeah. You know what I did. And so what I have to do is I have to stop and I say, God, I did this thing and I wanted Abby to respond a certain way and she didn't do that. God, would you convict me if I'm wrong right now? That if I was putting an expectation on her to fulfill something in me with her praise, God, would you correct me right now? But God, if I'm right and I, I deserve some sort of praise or accolades or whatever it might be, God, would you convict her? And so as we have both done this, it has shortened a lot of fights that could have been a day or two days, turned them into a couple hours. Yeah. And so letting the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit, letting that first and greatest love be what guides you and corrects you instead of you trying to be that for your spouse, it's really helped us. Yeah. You know, uh, the, uh, the song we've only just begun, it was uh, our kind of our theme song for our, for our wedding day. And I remember that, <laughs> that day when it started and uh, the, the wedding day was starting and I'm thinking, what am I doing? And, and Lori found out that I didn't know a thing about what I was doing for 40 years, okay? And so basically what, what it was really coming down to is for me to really love and to care for my wife well, I needed to be in alignment with Jesus. Because it, what does it say? We are to love our wives as Christ loves the church. Mm-hmm. How in the world can I love my wife out of my own efforts, out of my own, my own skill set, which I have no capacity to do? Mm-hmm. And the only way I can do that is to love her as Christ loves the church. Was I, was I successful in that in every possible way? Absolutely not. I mean, there were, there are, were many times I've had to come and say, man, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Will you forgive me? But, you know, forgiving is part of love, okay? Seeking forgiveness is part of love. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, that's, that's so important, that, that teachableness from Jesus to be able to say, you know, how do, we, how do we do this? That means I've got to spend time with Jesus myself. Mm-hmm. And just like you said, Lori needs to do that with herself. And then we can come together and support each other with the same love that comes from where? Yeah. Jesus, yep. right? And so, you know, Jesus moves right along here, and, and, and he, he, he starts out with saying, man, if you really love me first, before your spouse, before your mom or your dad or your kids, then you would want to naturally share what Jesus is doing in your life mm-hmm. with them. And uh, in verse 32, Jesus addresses that, and he says this. He says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. And then he also talks about denying, uh, denying Jesus before others. You know, Jordan, one of the things that I, I was thinking of is when you think of the word of acknowledge, means that you are uh, bringing attention to. You're bringing attention to. Have you ever been in a conversation and someone said, you know, they didn't even acknowledge that I was even there. Didn't even, didn't even address me. 
And so what Jesus is saying here, in, in the family atmosphere between husband and wife and be, before your kids, we need to be able to acknowledge what God is doing in our lives. And, uh, and one of the things that, that I, uh, when I, I, do a, I do a lot of funerals, okay? And, and so I will sit down with families and I'll say, can you tell me about your loved one's spiritual journey? And, and I love to hear the journey of someone and how they come to know Jesus. And, but, but what's sad is, is when I sit there and the, and the, and the family will look at each other and say, well, I don't know. They, they go, they've gone to church. They served in church. They, they did all these things. But I don't know. I've never heard my mom or my dad ever talk about how they come to know Jesus. And, and it aches my heart because I'm thinking... The greatest story of the greatest moment of the greatest life change in your life, and you didn't share that with your family? You didn't acknowledge what Jesus did in your life? How? How could you live all your life and your kids and your, your grandkids not know that you and Jesus have this relationship and how that all happened? You know? That is the, the greatest gift that you or I could ever give to, to the family. And, you know, uh, in the Old Testament, it even uh, talks about that, addresses that in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Yeah. Would, you, would you mind reading that? Yeah, let me read it. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to, on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's two things in that passage, right? Yep. There's two avenues that, uh, that God talks about uh, in this passage. And one has to deal with, first of all, your alignment with God, right? Yep, he says, um, the Lord... He says, here is the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. That as parents, that we want to love God first so that we can hand that off. That he, again, needs to be our first and greatest love so that we can give that to our kids. Yeah. And, and not only with our heart, with our soul. Our soul means our mind, will, and emotions. The very, the very essence of who you are. Is God the center of that love? Is he the center of your emotions? Is he the center of, of the choice of your will? Is he the center of uh, your mind and your mind? Is he is your part of your thought process and then your strength? You know, uh, is is uh, is Jesus working and living out in the everyday things that that you do and all the efforts that you put into? Is are you doing it for him? Are you love doing it because you love God? Okay, and then it says when you are doing that well, guess what happens? Then you begin to impress that on your kids. You begin to make this impression that they see that in you and it builds this memory for them of this is how my dad or my mom talked about Jesus. This is foundational things in my life that I just realized he was always there. He was always part of our family. He was always part of our conversations. Yeah, that word impress means to leave a mark. Okay, like uh, uh, Lori and I read this book called Children Are Wet Cement. Okay, Children Are Wet Cement. 
And so how, whatever, whatever you are impressing them with will, will be the mark that's on their life. And so, so sometimes as parents, we, we maybe want to impress them that they need to be involved in all the athletic events that there are. You need to experience. You, and we live our life through, um, through uh, sports or we live our life through music or we live our life by pursuing these things. And because that is what our love is, right? You know, I tell you what. When, I, when my kids were growing up, I didn't have to sit down to teach them about Nebraska football. No. No. Okay? I didn't have to instruct them about why they're, they're the best team ever and how you should root. No. Because I love Nebraska football so much, it became an impression upon them. And that impression, they all automatically started living that out. Because you know why? Because I would talk about Nebraska football along the road. I would talk about it when I'm lying down. I would talk about them when in conversation, whatever, because it was an impression. It was something that I loved that I, that I handed over. And you know, Jesus, when we love the Lord our God more than we love Nebraska football, when we get as passionate about God, as passion, more passionate than we love Nebraska football, guess what we do? Talk about it. We tell them about it. They catch it. It's more caught than it ever is taught. If they see it, and it leaves a deep impression upon, upon their lives. And uh, so, so tell me a little bit about, I mean, I shared a little bit about what, uh, what I do, but how about for you and Abby? How do you do that with, as a young family, um, leave an impression upon your kids' lives? Yeah, so there's a few things we've tried to do. So one, um, we made good use of the storybook Bibles and things like that, where we have used different ones and we just read them, we'll read them before bedtime or read them um, in the morning. We vary when we do, we don't do it like multiple times a day. I don't wanna give you the wrong impression. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but we'll do that. And there's been seasons where it's gone really well. And in those seasons, Liam will sit on my lap or Abby's lap and he'll turn the pages and he'll be engaged. And then there's been other seasons where he'll be rolling around on the floor and we'll get half a paragraph done. I'm like, can we be done? <laughs> and so um, my house is not different than your house on that. Um, what other things is we will pray with our kids before they go to bed, that we'll pray, we'll thank God for them, that they're part of our family. We'll ask God to work in their hearts and in their lives. Um, we'll praise him for the different things that happened that day. That one of the things we really want to do is we want to give him credit for the good things that they enjoy and the good things that they love. That we're, we're growing in this. We have um, some friends of ours who are seasoned parents and they're really good at it. That we were traveling through the mountains with them and Liam was, in, was captivated by the mountains. He thought they were so cool. And this person in the car with us just started talking about how, isn't it awesome that God created these mountains? Isn't it so cool yeah. that he created the trees the way he did and the, the sky the way he did? Yeah. And, and it really um, gives God credit for the good things that they enjoy. That it says um, he is a good God who loves them and cares about them so he makes good stuff. And so that, that was uh, some simple ways that we try to, to yeah. do that. Yeah, that reminds me, takes me back, you know, when we'd sit with our kids and all three of them trying to do uh, a devotional before they went to bed. And they're, you know, don't touch me. He's looking at me. You know, all those kind of things. Yeah. You're just, you're just kind of like, is this really even working? You know, <laughs> is this really even working? And it is. So, so don't think that just because it's a little chaos doesn't mean that they're not catching it, okay? They are catching it. 
And uh, um, our son, uh, Josh, loved Adventures in Odyssey, okay? Wits End. I mean, it was, that was his devotional. He went to sleep to that. He woke up with that. And you know what's cool is now his son, Jordan, who is nine, is listening to Wits, Adventures in Odyssey. He's creating Wits End with his Legos, and he's living it out as well. So you see the impression that it made, the impression that it goes from one generation to the next. But you know, um, when you get into middle school and high school, things really shift. They really change, right? And all of a sudden now, you, you don't really have, um, you can't really sit down. You gotta, you gotta pick your moments. You gotta pick your moments to be able to uh, engage with, the, with them in that. Now all of a sudden, they're deciding what is right and wrong. And you're trying to figure out how to guide them in that. And, uh, you know, there are many a times we were not perfect parents by all means. Okay, I just want you to know that. And there are many a times where I've lost my cool because um, they weren't listening or they didn't follow our guidelines as far as going out and doing things. And, and I would lose my cool and God would convict my heart. And I would have to go into my middle schooler or high schooler, sometimes my college student, and be able to say, you know what, um, how I handled that, God had really convicted my heart. And, and I was really out of line there. And uh, I'm asking, I've asked God to forgive me. I'm sorry for how I handled this. And uh, I'm going to ask that you forgive me as well. Okay? And uh, that's part of acknowledging God. That's part of what it means to acknowledge him before your families, before others. Being willing to acknowledge, hey, this is where I've messed up. In fact, it wasn't a few years ago that we had to go back. Uh, I, I, I met with one of my, my boys and said, you know, uh, you keep joking about how we handled a certain situation. We forgot, we forgot Josh numerous times in his life, okay? We were not good parents at all. So one time we left him at church. Um, we just think he needed Jesus more, I guess. We, we had sat down for, for, for lunch, and, and all of a sudden, Josh wasn't there. Church was across the street from us, and it's kind of like, I thought you had him. No, I thought you had him. But uh, there's Josh in a locked-up church, dark, crying. And, uh, and, and so there are many times that he, he was, he, we forgot to pick him up from school, and he walked home. And so this, this kid was marked, Okay. <laughs> Is that the secret to sending your kids into ministry? You that's right. That's how you send them into ministry. <laughs> and, and, you know, he would always joke about this, okay? He would always joke about it. Of course, he was the middle child, right? So guess who has a middle child syndrome, right? Everything, everything, you know, I'm not, you know, no one cares about me, that kind of thing. And he kept joking about it. And I told Lori, I said, you know, behind every joke, there's a little bit of reality in something like that. And, and as an adult, about two years ago, I went to Josh and I said, Josh, I know you're joking about this, but I believe that we hurt you. And I want to tell you that I'm sorry. That, that I'm sorry that we didn't really intend to do this to you. We're just, we were just bad parents, okay? <laughs> would, you, would you just forgive, forgive me for how... Uh, so, so listen to your kids. Listen to what they're talking about as they're adults and be able to say, you know, there's something there because they just keep bringing that back up. 
And they may be laughing about it, but you want to make sure that you've dealt with it right. You want to make sure that's healed between you and your, you and your, your child, your adult child, okay? So, you know, uh, so that, that's important. That's important. And, you know, up on the stage here, Jordan, there's uh, every once in a while we have what we call what? A child what? Dedication. Child dedication. Yeah. Child dedication. Many young families have done that. Many of you brought, brought your kids up here and you've dedicated them. For what, what reason? What, what's all yeah. that about? So when we do dedications, the, there's three different parts to it. That one piece is the parents are saying we're dedicating ourselves to God, to the best of our ability, we're going to do all we can to point our son or our daughter towards Jesus, that we want them to see him and know him through the reflection that we get to be for him. Uh, the second piece is that we're saying we're dedicating our kids to God, that we are handing them over to him, saying, God, we want you to work in their hearts and their lives, that we want you to be at work there. And then the third piece is the church is saying we're dedicating ourselves to come alongside you as a family to help and as much as we can, whether that's through nursery or children's ministry or middle school or high school ministry, or it's just us saying that we're going to do the best we can to be a church family yeah. that reflects well God's family so that kids don't grow up saying, well, I like Jesus, but I don't really care for the church. And so that's what dedication is all about when yeah. we do that. Yeah. And that's, that's an acknowledging, right? That's part of acknowledging. You know what, Jordan? It's not a one-and-done deal, is it? No, unfortunately, it's not. Uh, you know, wouldn't it be nice just to be able to do the dedication and your kids just, boop, they, they just became these perfect kids walking and following Jesus. doesn't happen. doesn't happen because it's a journey. It's an every day when you, when you stand up, when you walk along the road, when you drive in the car, when you lie down in bed, you're, you're finding ways to put deposits into your kids' lives mm-hmm. of, of spiritual, how much you love Jesus, and being able to and make that impression upon them. Mm-hmm. And one of the other things that I've, I've learned to do um, that uh, God taught my heart is I was always looking for a blessing from my father when I was growing up. And my dad would say that was a good job, but it was never quite good enough. Or my mom, it was kind of that way. So was a, there was a wound there. And one of the things that I wanted to do is I didn't want that to be how I raised my kids. Okay? And so what, what, I, what I did was I realized in the Bible that there were times that, that fathers would bless their, their kids. They, they would speak a word of blessing over them. And uh, I read a book called The Blessing. And I decided that I would look for qualities in my kids' lives. As they were growing up in in middle school, high school, and college, I'd watch and I'd observe. And then I would find something that I see that God's starting to do in their life and they're starting to to grow and and come forth. And I I would speak words of affirmation. I would make a deposit. And I would say, you know what, John? I see God doing this in you. You have a quality of being able to do this. You have ability to do this. And I'm telling you, I think you let God shape that, there's some great things that he's going to do through you in that. Josh, I tell you, you can take something and you can, you can write like none other. It doesn't take much for you to put, man, you have a way of putting words together. And I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to the day where I'm going to see a book in Amazon that says Josh Klein. Okay? And I'd speak that over him. And I'd say, you know, God's going to use that in your life. And guess what? There's a book in Amazon written by Josh Klein. 
And then I would say to Kirsten, man, Kirsten, I'm telling you, sweetheart, you love culture, you love people, you engage with people in such a powerful way. I don't know what, what it is, but God's going to use you to, to make a difference in influencing people for the kingdom across, this country, across the world. And now what's my daughter doing? She's, she's in missions work and, and all of that. So one of the things I want to encourage you in, there's a book that I gave the uh, challenge the men with called 41 Deposits. It's a man that uh, uh, just kind of shared his journey of how he made certain deposits, spiritual deposits, into his kids' lives, okay? And, and it's not a self-help book. It's kind of help yourself, Okay? And, and basically, and guys, guess what? The chapters are really short, okay? But there are also some great questions like taking responsibility. How do you teach your children what responsibility is? How do you stay pure? How do you have these conversations of making spiritual deposits into your kids' lives to acknowledge what God is doing in them? Now, this book is on sale at the resource back in the information desk for five bucks, Okay? $5. And you could purchase that, but you know what? Purchasing this and putting it on your shelf isn't going to make, make, make it work. You got to read it, okay? And, uh, but, but it gives you a way because if some of you are saying, like, I don't know how to do that, you make it sound so easy, Brian. And I only did it because I read books and learned. I had to learn just like you did. And I, I encourage you, take advantage of, of this. And, uh, you know, Jordan, once you dedicate, you kind of have in your, all parents have in their mind an idea of, of what this is going to look like, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay? This is how my, my, my child is going to walk with God. This is how, you know, this is the way it's going to be. I'm going to do this right. Yep. And Jesus addresses some things that it's pretty straight out there, doesn't he? Yeah. So um, he's talking to the disciples and he tells them there's going to be moments of tension in our families and in ourselves. These gonna be, there's moments of tension in their relationships. And we're applying this to our families this morning, but also to ourselves. That there's a few reasons why there's this tension. So sometimes the tension comes because we have an idea of we, what we want our kids to walk with Jesus, what we want that to look like. So we want them to walk with Jesus in Kearney, Nebraska, not in Africa or China or Ecuador or Australia. And so they come to us and say, well, I want to be a missionary to China. And you go, huh. Yeah, I think people yeah. in Carney need to hear about Jesus too. And so that, that creates a moment of tension. But there's another moment of tension where in general your kids follow Jesus, but there's these moments where they are getting off track, whether that's with a friendship or with a relationship or with something they want to do in their life. And you just go, this isn't a wise thing. This is not what Jesus wants for you in your life. And then the most difficult tension is when you have a son or a daughter or a spouse who just doesn't want to follow Jesus, that they don't want to follow Jesus, that they don't want to make him the greatest and first love in their life. And so it creates this tension because for you, he is the greatest and first love. And so let's talk about how we deal with that. Yeah. So in Matthew 10, verse 34, 36, Jesus says this, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Wow. I mean, Jesus, that's a reality check right there, is it not? I mean, you, we, want, we want peace in our home. We want peace in our home. But Jesus is saying, listen, 
when, when, the, when the sword, when the truth is going to be spoken, there are going to be times the tension is going to rise. And the truth is the truth of the word. If you're going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and that influences your heart, you're going to want to do things according to the truth. And there's going to be times that you're going to speak truth and you're going to follow truth. And guess what? It's going to cause tension. And there's going to be clashes. And there's going to be a butting of heads. And I got to thinking about that, and I thought, wow, Jesus, that's pretty, that's pretty straight out there statement. Then I got to remember in Mark chapter 3, Jesus is starting his ministry, and there's all kinds of people talking about Jesus, and they're, and they're labeling Jesus. They're labeling him as crazy and, and uh, demon-possessed and, and all those kind of things. And then in verse chapter 3, verse 21, he says, when his family heard about this, heard about what? Heard about all the talk going around. Okay, When the family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. His family said, you're going crazy. And then in verse 31, it says, Jesus' mother and brothers arrived standing outside, and someone said, hey, uh, Jesus, your mom and dad are here. And Jesus says to them, your mom and your brothers are here outside looking for you. And Jesus says, who are my mother and my brothers? Now, I'm telling you, if my mama showed up and said, I'm here, I'm here to talk to you, and I said, who is my mother? I'm telling you, <laughs> that would create some tension, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine for Mary and for Jesus' brothers that there was a little bit of tension in that moment because they did not see in the season that Jesus was walking in what his call was what his work was, what he was trying to accomplish. They eventually saw it down the road, mm -hmm. right? They, even at the cross, I'm sure Mary didn't understand the full brunt of what their son was going through. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't that Jesus was disowning his mom or his brothers. He's just saying, I've got a, I've got a calling on my life. Yeah. I've got a calling in my life. And I'm telling you, when, when my, all, all my kids have said, you know what, I think we're going to live here. Or we're going to, when my son Josh says, hey, dad, I think God's calling me to be a pastor. I'm thinking, man, dude, are you sure? That's got to be a calling. And, and Lori and I looked at each other and he said, well, if there's anything, he knows what it's like to be a pastor. He's, living, he's lived it for 20 some years. But, you know, and, and there are some times as a, as a parent, you're just kind of like, I don't know if I want you to go there. When my daughter says, you know, Dad, I think I'm going to go into missions work, and I'm going to go to Australia. To the, in, to the down under? <laughs> really? You're going to go to down under? Kirsten, there's other missionary places, like in Denver, in Omaha. <laughs> you know, there was tension there was tension there. There was tension between us and, and Kirsten in that. And there was tension between Lori and I in that because I kind of came along and Lori was still like, oh, I'm not sure, you know. And, and there, there came that point where we finally come together as we had to deny ourselves, right? Yep. We had to die to ourselves of what our dream, our, our picture of how our children were. We had to die to that and be able to say, okay, Jesus, they're yours. Yep. Take them. Which is why he's got to be the first and greatest love. Yeah, true. Right. If he's not, you can't get to that spot. 
You can't get to that place if he's not the first and greatest. That's right. That's right. And so, you know, so sometimes our tension is going to come because one is not following and in love with Jesus, and there's going to be that, that, don't tell me that. Don't tell me I need to, there's going to be tension. So I just want to tell you, uh, families, there's tension with your, with your, with your kids. If there's tension within your family, if there's tension between you and your spouse, you need to ask yourself, is it because I'm being selfish and I'm doing things in my flesh? Or is it because I'm really being obedient to God and, and we've got to figure out what this is? That's what Jesus said. He says, your, your enemies might be in the same household. So he, he called a reality check there, didn't he? For all of us. And so just because there's tension doesn't mean you throw in the towel. No. You don't throw in the towel. So, Jordan, do you have anything else to add to that? I don't think so. All right, man. So I, I, I want us to wrap this up. Yeah. I want to wrap this up in, in the area that, number one, first of all, the, the first thing we need to do is do what? We need to fall in love with Jesus. Yep. We need to know him. We need, he needs to be our first passionate pursuit of love. Yep. Right? Yep. Individually. One-on-one with Jesus. And then as we do that, it's going to naturally begin to flow over into our conversations, into the rest of our life, with the rest of our family, that it's going to become obvious to them that we love Jesus, we want to follow him. Yeah, we leave an impression upon them. We We leave an impression upon them. But it doesn't mean that in the midst of that, that there isn't going to be tension. There isn't going to be tension. And you, you need to be able to know that Jesus with truth and all that he wants is when we have to come humbly before him, deny ourselves, take up the cross, and follow him. Mm-hmm. So maybe that tension may be that your son or daughter or is deciding to live a lifestyle that you're not, you don't agree with. That tension. That all of a sudden now you've got to speak into it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes... Those tension moments are moments where we kind of want to avoid them, mm-hmm. right? And we want to step away from them. And one of the things I want to encourage you to do is don't avoid the tension. Be teachable in the moment of the tension. Be willing to come before Jesus in prayer mm-hmm. and ask Jesus to do a work in you to prepare yourself for what is there. I want to pray for you yeah. and Abby. Yep. I want to pray for every young family and. Uh, in, in this church body and online and, and in the venue. Father, I just pray for Jordan. Lord God, I pray for Jordan and Abby, and I just pray for their family. I pray for every young family here, Father. Lord God, would you, would you help them to pursue you with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, with all their strength? Lord, would you be there first? Help them when the the distractions of the world are out there and and the chaos of family living seems to um, distract and and we get consumed with so many demands that are coming at us that that, that these young families would be able to know that the first and foremost thing is is being able to be connected with you one-on-one. So as they are connected with you one-on-one, then they will connect together as a healthy marriage. And with a healthy marriage and a vibrant Christ-following marriage, it'll flow right into leading and parenting that will honor Christ in all things. So I just pray for every young family. 
every young parent, single parent, every couple, every family here, that you be number one. And when the tension rises, may you be the one that will teach them. May they not avoid the tension. May they embrace it and learn from it and grow in it and become better through it, through the tension moment. So Father, I just pray that over Jordan and all young families here today, going forward in Christ's name. Father God, I lift up to you all of uh, the families that do not have kids in their home, whether it's because they're empty nesters now or because they don't have kids yet. Uh, Lord, we pray and we ask that you would help and guide them. God, for those that are empty nesters and maybe just now realize that the center of their home had been their kids mm. and that it's been this tough adjustment to life without them, Lord, I pray that you would help them to course correct, that they begin to yeah. uh, fall in love again with you and that they would make you their first and greatest love, that they would uh, come to remember all the things that they, they love about you and that they would discover even new things that would draw them into this deeper relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you would um, guide them and direct them as they think about how to share their story with their kids and their grandkids right. and the other people around them, that it would become natural for them to talk about you, natural for them to share uh, their first love. And God, we pray for any tension they may have. God, that there might be tension in their homes. God, that you would give them wisdom to really get to the heart of, is this a selfishness? Do I want them to be like me? Do I want them to do what I want them to do? Or, or is this uh, a sincere God, that you were calling them to do something and you were calling them um, down a path that their kids just don't want to follow. God, I pray that you would give them wisdom, give them uh, guidance, and God, give them courage and grace and mercy to speak with wisdom and with truth, with grace and with love as they um, talk in the midst of this tension. God, we thank you that you're with us. We thank you that you're, uh, no matter if we are single, married, divorced, widowed, God, you are with us. That, um, yes. We do not need a family to know you. We don't need a family to be near to you. But God, you are near to us. God, we thank you for that. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.